Man, we, uh, I've been excited about this week. Um, I feel like because of the way, whoop, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Uh, I feel like just the way that the pattern of everything has been going lately, that it would be really easy to like cruise past like this week uh, in the scope of what it means for us as Christ followers. Um, because even last year, it was, it was so strange to not be gathered for Easter. Like, I look back and, you know, even just uploading the, the videos from Sunday and everything, looking back and seeing that there are 52 plus that we've uploaded. Like, it's been well over a year since, you know, we had to not gather on Sunday and, you know, go to the virtual setting, which, like, I will confess that uh, I hate. Um, and, like, I'm, I appreciate it. I'm grateful for technology that allowed us to be able to do that. But, like, I, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be that guy and say there is no substitute for gathering with the church you know, like maybe even feeling the person's breath on the back of your neck, which I know freaks some people out, but like I, I think it needs to happen um, because there is something magical about gathering together. Scripture tells us that, but anyway, um, I'm not going to, I'm on a stool, not on a soapbox today, and so uh, it was easy last year kind of to just almost be disheartened about the fact that we couldn't gather as a family redeemed on Easter, but this year, just with all the chaos, it would be so easy to miss like what this week means to us. Like today, um, conflicted. Because I want to celebrate this week. Really, like, I want to be able to just burst with what this week means. Because it's huge. Like, We cannot underestimate the value of the resurrection, the crucifixion, and the life of Jesus. And so I, I don't feel like there's a fear that we're going to do that. But just with the, man, the environment, there are so many other things that are saying that this is more important or that this is more important or that these things should, should take priority of thought, priority of practice. But today, uh, man, we just need to stop and say none of those things are nearly as important as what we get to celebrate in this week. Like, none of those things. Because they're, they're all peripheria. They're all just, they're all minute in comparison to the weight of the glory that we get to see and celebrate in the cross. And, and like, from a theological perspective or from a, a doctrinal perspective, like, I always struggle with how to celebrate this week well. Because, like, today we celebrate Palm Sunday in which Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And we're going to read the passage. We're going to talk about that. Um, but in all honesty, like historically, like I struggle to like put my fist up in the air and say, yes, this is good. Because I also know that Jesus this entire time was like willingly choosing to die for me because of my garbage, because of the garbage of those people around me that we call sin. Like he entered this city on his own volition, by his own choosing, saying, I'm going to march directly to a place called the skull. I'm going to hang there until I suffocate under the weight of my own body and under the weight of the sin of all people in all places at all time for those people who do not acknowledge me, for those people who do not love me, for those people who never call on my name. I'm going to die so that they may have a chance at hope. Like it's hard for me to celebrate that because I realized that my sin, my disobedience, uh, my inability to choose good, like, put Jesus there. And, and for part of me, that's hard to celebrate. It is. Like, I, I sit back and I'm like, ah, you know, I, I, I should feel guilt for this. But 
Jesus said, I didn't do this so that you could feel guilt. He said, I do this so that guilt could be removed, so that shame could be removed, so that victory could be had. And so by his choosing, he says, celebrate this. Even though we can mourn, we need to celebrate more. Today, um, we're going to look at like a unique occurrence in the life of Jesus. Uh, We're going to turn to to Matthew chapter 21, and uh, we're going to talk about the event that kind of kicked off this Passion Week. And I'm sorry if that seemed like a scattered mess, but I just wanted to talk to you about where I am in this week right now, but um, just emotionally heavy for us. And I think like if we do think well about this week and be on the lookout, you'll get a, um, a reading list for this week. Uh, to just kind of follow along in the Passion Week. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on Instagram. You'll get it in an email tomorrow, too, um, if you just kind of want to read along chronologically about what happens each day of this week, um, so you can follow along with that. But today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 21, um, an event that occurs in all four of the Gospels, the Synoptics plus John, and so we'll kind of reference a few of those as we go. And like after this day, like Jesus did a lot of things that we could, we could talk about, but today I just kind of wanted to, to look at what kicked off that week and why it's called Palm Sunday and what we can learn from that. Uh, let me pray, collect myself, and we're going we're gonna to jump in. God, we love you. We thank you. Uh, thank you for Jesus today, God. Uh, thank you that because of him we can know you, we can be known by you, uh, we can be on mission with you and for your glory. Um, God, today uh, I pray that even if we've come in distracted, we've come in torn, we've come in conflicted. God, I pray that we would leave unified in thought, unified in pursuit, unified in worship, in just this idea that uh, as painful as it is when we think about the course of this week, God, we should celebrate. We should be able to lift our hands in victory. Uh, we should be able to lift our voices together and say, God, you're good. Uh, thank you for making a way. Uh, God, let us think well. Let us think clearly. Let us feel appropriately about this week And as a result, I pray that we worship you well. Thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to read uh, 21 verses 1 through 11. And then we're going to kind of talk just about a couple of ideas in there. So chapter 21 verse 1 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, uh, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humble, and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowd that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd says, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So this this particular occurrence is incredibly unique in a couple of ways. Number one, like, if we think about the uniqueness of this occurrence and the scope of Jesus' life, this was like the only time in which he sat back and he was like, yes, tell people who I am. Because if we go back and we look at all of the occurrences, there were times in which Jesus would heal someone and he would say, no, look, I, I just, just for a while, I need you to keep this to yourself. Just, you know, go home, eat a good meal, fried chicken, do that. Not, not that, but I mean, that's what I think when I think good meal. Like, anyway, he'd say, go home, eat. And just relax and just 
man, go live. Go sin no more, maybe something like that, but just don't, don't tell anybody. And when the disciples themselves, when they came to this conclusion that Jesus is the Christ, he was like, okay, boys, good. I'm glad you're here. Glad the Spirit is dealing with you appropriately, but let's just, let's just keep, it, keep it to ourselves. And he did that for a couple of reasons. Like, he did that for logistical reasons. Like, he even told his mom, like, at the wedding feast, he was like, and, and he wasn't being disrespectful. It's the way it's translated. He's like, woman, my time has not yet come. He wasn't being like, woman, he wasn't that. It was just, it's just the way the language worked back then. He was like, but woman, my time has not come. When his siblings asked him to do things, he's like, not yet, no. Because there were some logistical issues. He had a mission. He had things to accomplish. And if everybody was all, like, gathered together, there'd be no way that he could move. And we even see it like at one point when he fed the 5,000, the first multitude, like his intent was to go up on a mountain with his disciples and be by themselves. He had just sent them out, and he said, go two by two, do this, do that. And they came back, and he was like, let's debrief, let's unwind, let's relax. And he couldn't because there were five to 20,000 people, even then. Even after telling people to be silent, five to 20,000 people like wanted to see him. They beat him before he got to the other side of the water. And so a lot of times he would say, just, you know, don't, don't, don't tell anybody yet, just man, I restored you, this is great, and, and celebrate that, but just celebrate in your house. There were several times like this, but this, in this occurrence, this is one of those only times, other than the time of his birth, but even at the time of his birth, he had no control over that, and it wasn't a mass group of people. There were some shepherds, some smelly shepherds came when he was born, and like three wise men came a couple years later and found him, but there wasn't a lot of fanfare. There wasn't like this big thing, but in this place, this time, this occurrence, the uniqueness of this, Jesus is entering a city. John says that they knew what he did. They had seen what he did. A lot of these were Lazarus' people, and it even calls them his disciples in the general term of followers. They had heard what he did. They had seen what he had done. They knew him that way, and then when they found out that he was coming into Jerusalem, they surrounded the road, and they threw like this impromptu parade. And this was the time where he didn't say, shh, he didn't, he didn't say not yet. He didn't say any of that. The uniqueness of this is like uh, the timing and the logistics no longer were an issue. Jesus was where he needed to be to walk triumphantly and victoriously and willingly to the cross. And he said, you can talk about it now. You can shout about it now. You can, you can make whatever noise you want. No other time was he celebrated publicly like this. It was unique. It was different. Um, and it was also just, man, it was, it was so indicative of the type of kingdom that he was going to bring forth to. Because we can tell a lot about a king by the way in which they march into power kind of a thing. Now, like in the, in the scope of like the uniqueness of the occurrence, not in the scope of Jesus but in the scope of royalty, this is not how a king would enter a city. Like a king would not enter a city and have volunteer shouters, right? Like back then, if there was a king that was marching to their kingdom, no, 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 they would decree that you must be there and probably be in your best dress. I'm going to have people that I employ. They're going to have trumpets. There's going to be all kinds of fanfare, all kinds of great stuff, because I want people to see how big of a deal I am, and so I'm going to make sure people see. I'm going to include people that are being paid to be there. And by the way, a lot of people won't even want to be there, but they're going to be there because I told them to be there. We can tell a lot about a king and his kingdom by the way he comes into his city. And Jesus did it with people that wanted to be there because they had seen him, they had met him, they had experienced him, and they said, we've just got to say something. The uniqueness of this was the king was coming to lay claim to his kingdom. And the people wanted to be there. They had to say something. They had to, something had to get out. 
I believe that in the scope of history, there was a shift that occurred in this time and in this place. I believe that now at this place, it was Jesus kind of removing the restrictions and saying, oh yeah, say it, shout it, tell the people, because it's time to hear. For us, it's of vast importance that we understand that uh, what Jesus did in this moment with his life and with the march that he was about to enter is he was removing the restrictions from us as people and also even giving us a charge which he would echo before he ascended to heaven and to make sure that, he, that we understood that our job, our job is to tell. Our job is to shout. Our job is to speak. Our job is to not be silent and wait for someone else to. Our job is to gather around and sing of the goodness of God. Not just literally sing, yes, but I mean metaphorically too, that we need to, we need to speak. If we look at what occurred in this place, it was, it was rather interesting, the type of kingdom that he was going to grow. Uh, it says that uh, even reaching back to the prophecy, like in some passages it talks about he had to do this to fulfill the prophecy, but, but he came in on a, a donkey, like a colt. He didn't come in on this huge stallion, you know, like, Shrek, I'm a stallion. He didn't come in on that. Like, he came in like, I'm sorry, uh, I, I watch too many kids' movies with my kids, but he, he, he just came in on, on like this humble working animal, surrounded by people that had been impacted by him, not were, uh, not were servants, and, and, and in that sense, not in people that felt like they were obligated, but people that wanted to be there. Like the type of kingdom that Jesus came to lay claim to was not of one of serfdom, not of one of just obligation, but one of liberty and freedom and just, oh, man. Imagine how that corresponds so differently with all the things that are, that are begging for our attention right now in this place, in this time, in this culture. You know, we're, we're being told every day that you have to pick a side and you have to be able to articulate your side. And if you don't have a side, then you're not in the fight and you're being, you're being less than something. Jesus says, no, 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 I, I, don't, I don't want that. I just, I just want you to see what I can do for you. And then I want you to choose to shout, choose to speak, share your voice. The difference in the kingdom that Jesus was trying to raise versus all the other kingdoms is so vast. It's so other than. It's so unique. But then I think we even, we look at the people. We look at the people that did gather, the people that had been affected by Jesus, the people that had seen things. Like John even talks about they were there because they were, they were there when Jesus did to Lazarus what he did. You know, Lazarus come forth, came out of the grave, should have stunk, didn't, raised, raised him from the dead. He was quite dead they saw that, and they're like, man, maybe we need to see what else he's going to do. I don't even think they fully knew who Jesus was. We can tell by some of the words, like if we look at the rest of the accounts and the synoptics, we can tell that some of them were a bit confused. Some of them still thought that this Savior, this Hosanna, was coming to bring a sword instead of a heart. Like they still didn't quite get it yet, but they were still there. I think there are a couple things that we need to understand about this shift, especially when we look at the people. I think the thing that we need to understand is that... Um, we, the same way, we have to celebrate the way they did. And we can learn some things from them. I think the first thing that we have to understand is that uh, we need to celebrate with whatever we have. And I know that sounds simple. That sounds just 
mundane, but we need to learn to celebrate with whatever we have. Understand, he didn't call people and say, go home, get your best. He didn't say, hey, go to the king's storehouse and get his trumpets. He didn't say, go and get doves so that you can release them. No, no, no. He just said, gather, bring what you have. And you know what they had? They had their cloaks. They took them off. They laid them down in front of them. Super, super just sign of royalty to say, look, uh, what I'm wearing, I don't care if you step on it because I, I honor you. I want to honor you with what I got. And their, their way of celebrating was just, man, celebrate with what you have. Like us, God doesn't ask us to bring anything that we don't have. All he wants is he says, hey, come as you are with what you've got and celebrate me. Understand what I've done for you. Understand what I can do for you. Just bring that. And it says that there were palm branches around, and they began to cut those off and lay those down. Another sign of just royalty and regalness. He didn't want all the fanfare. He just wanted what they had. Man, for us, it's not about gaining things so that we can be more acceptable to God. God said, look, I will make you acceptable through Jesus. You just come. Bring what you got. Man, for those of us who have been following Jesus for a while, we need to take stock, like we talked about last week. Like, it's going to take many hands to grow the kingdom that God has asked us to grow. We're not talking about the kingdom of origins. We're talking about the kingdom of God that God has asked us to partner with Him in. Grow that. Go after Him for His purpose, for His glory. It's going to take many hands. We just have to look around at the things that we have and understand that God says, yeah, that's, that's all I want, whatever you've got. You don't have to go and make a fortune to be, to be useful. You don't have to go and learn a new skill. Uh, at the time that I bought you, that I paid for you, you saw your sin, you chose me over that, I gave you everything you need to celebrate me. Just bring that. We talked about the gifts last week, just kind of briefly, about the things that God gives us, the ability to give, that's a gifting, the ability to teach, that's a gifting, the ability to be hospitable, that's a gifting, the ability to serve, that's a gifting, the ability to prophesy, yes, that's a gifting, the ability to heal, yes, that's a gifting, God says, whatever you got, you just, you just bring that, and I'm good with that. What do we have? Bring that. But then the other thing about these people, I think it is important to understand that maybe they didn't have much, and maybe they didn't understand everything. They didn't have all the answers. Like I said, some of them were still waiting for like, Jesus to be something entirely different, but they were still shouting. They were still lining the streets. They were still, like as Scripture says it here, Hosanna to the Son of David. So a son, some of them did. Some of them were quite clear with Messianic prophecy that he came from the line of David and he would save the people of Israel and the rest of the world. They knew what was going on, but others, they kept shouting, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, he came in the name of the Lord and he was the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus. He was far more than a prophet. So some had it figured out, some had didn't. But either way, they were all bringing what they had, and they were just as they were. The other thing that we need to understand is that we don't have to have a bunch of stuff. We come and bring what we have, but also we come just as we are. Now, God's not going to leave us that way. God loves us enough to change us, to make us look more like Jesus. But the moment that we leave sin, choose Jesus on our behalf, we're completely acceptable to God, and we come just as we are. And then we just celebrate there, then, because of what God's done, because of what he's going to do, because of who he is, we celebrate then, there, just as we are. You look at the woman at the well, 
Man, the woman at the well is probably my favorite example of someone that just came just as she was. Jesus confronted her in John chapter 4. She didn't quite understand what he was saying. He's like, look, I can give you water, and if I give you this water, you'll never thirst again. She was like, yeah, I'll take that. He's like, you're not getting it. Go call your husband. She was like, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, no, you've had five. She's like, oh, who are you? And then she tries to change the topic again, and then eventually he's like, look, listen, listen, young lady, I want to tell you that I can give you something that no one else can. I can give you life everlasting. It went off, and she was not perfect. She was not fixed, but the very first thing she did, she went back and she told. She celebrated. She said, I met a guy. He told me everything I've ever done. I think he could be it. Come and see for yourself. We don't have to be perfect in order to celebrate, to speak of Jesus. He says, no, the moment that I change you, you are just right. Now, that doesn't mean there shouldn't be an impetus on us or a pressure on us to to become more like Jesus, to do our part. Remember, a couple weeks ago, we talked about God's part, our part. Yes, we have to do our part, but man, as far as acceptable, as far as useful, we don't have to wait for the day. We're already there. If we've been bound to God through Jesus, by grace, through faith, we are good enough right there to celebrate, to speak. They came with what they had. They even took some things that they didn't. They came just as they were, and they shouted. They shared, even if they didn't understand everything. I think so many of us are so fearful to actually share about what God has done because we don't understand it all. It's not necessary to understand it all. As a matter of fact, we will never understand it all. We just will not. We'll understand more. And I think the day that we're united with God for the rest of eternity in perfection, new heaven, new earth, we'll understand it all then. But at that point, the questions, they won't matter anymore. The only thing that will matter is we get to sing every day for the rest of eternity to a Jesus who has risen, who bought us and paid for us and made us one and provided a place for us. But up until then, we'll never know everything. And that is okay. That is okay. We speak of what we do know. I think the things that we understand that uh, we have to to come as we are, I think we need to come and understand that uh, the way that we are, the way that God has made us, the way that God has brought us here, we have a story to tell, we share it. We talk about story a lot. Share your story. Where are you now? What has God done in you? Someone needs to hear you celebrate Jesus through your story. Even if you don't understand all the inner workings, that is okay. Share your story. But also continue to understand that, yes, I am as I am now, by grace, through faith. But by that same grace, through faith, God wants to make me more. He does want to change me. He does want to continue to refine me, to take me from somebody that doesn't know much to somebody that does understand and know more. But i got to do my part in that. I think the other thing that we see about this crowd is that uh, they came with what they had. They came as they were. But man, here's the pretty part. They did it together. I think they also understood that they needed to celebrate with those around them. Like it wasn't one or two. No, it was a lot of people. I think celebration is always going to be amplified by the number of voices involved. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't come to redeem a people. I mean, a person. He came to redeem a people. We talk about that frequently. He came to make a family where there was none. Man, celebration is always going to be best when it's done with many voices. And so that means that that we do this well. We make it a priority on Sundays. Like I said last week, I think if the pandemic has taught us anything is that this is important. It's not our identity, but it's something that we do as a result of our identity. It's important. We gather together. And I know I may have gotten in some people's crawl last week when I said, look, when you feel ready to come back, maybe even before you feel ready to come back, come back. It's important. 
If you have legitimate reasons, we understand. We are there for you in that. But do not neglect the gathering. Come back. It's important. Voices in unison. Bodies in unison. Hearts in unison. We celebrate together. But I think that there are other times and other ways that we do it too. I think sometimes we rely on this as our only avenue, but, but man, we provide community groups for people to gather together and do it on a smaller scope. But sometimes, man, the way that we do it is just across a table while having coffee or across a table when we're just, we're just having a meal together, just when there's more than one and we're all celebrating the same thing. God changed me, God changed you, and he's still doing it. We need to speak of it. We need to share of it. We can't, we can't be silent. As a matter of fact, if we read the other accounts of this, at one point in Luke, at the very end, the Pharisees, the, you know, the big bearded stroking guys, uh, they were standing around and they turned to Jesus and they said, hey teacher, tell your people to be quiet, because they're being very disrespectful right now. They're calling you things they shouldn't. And he said, I will not. I will not tell them to be quiet, because if they shut their mouths, the rocks will speak we got to understand, Jesus is going to be celebrated whether we do it or not. The beauty of that is, is he desires for our voices to be the ones doing it, not the rocks. But one way or another, he's going to be celebrated. It would be a travesty if the rocks do it in our place. It would be, it would be very embarrassing if the rocks do what we were designed to do. Jesus is going to be celebrated. I think in the scope and in the the view of this week, like I think the way that we celebrate Jesus well is that uh, we speak when the opportunity arises, and maybe we speak anyway. I'm not saying that we just need to go on a street corner and wave a flag, but if God leads you to do that, then by all means, you go and do that, but we need to find opportunities, make opportunities, pray for opportunities to speak and to shout that Hosanna, my deliverer, my Savior has come, and he's changed me. He's changed you. He's changed us. And he can do it for anyone who just believes. I think that we need to pray for opportunities to to share that beyond this week, obviously, with our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, those that we just randomly meet. We talk about the fact that, man, if this is our goal, then we've missed the mission. The mission is out there. This is a rallying time to prepare us for that. We need to look and to see where do we need to shout Hosanna in our life, in our circle, in our world now? Where do we need to say, my deliverer has come? He's come for me. He can come for you. He's come. He's here. Where do we need to celebrate? Because by the way, like the great commission that he left us with that we talk about frequently, that's all it was. Celebrate Jesus with your words. Speak of what you've seen. seen. Speak of what you've heard. Speak of what he's done. That's our job. That's our role. That's our responsibility. That's what we've been sent out to do. I mean, Jesus broke the bottle of the champagne on our bow and said, go. (laughs) Share what you've seen. You have been commissioned. You have been sent, whether you acknowledge it or not. A lot of modern-day sociologists are going to agree that a people will be identified and remembered by what they celebrate. A people will be remembered and identified by what they celebrate. As a people, and we have to celebrate Jesus. We have to celebrate Jesus. And again, a lot of things are begging to be followed. A lot of things are begging to be submitted to. A lot of things are begging to be celebrated, but we 
we have to choose to celebrate Jesus. And we still live in a culture like it's, it doesn't matter. If people want to call it post-Christian, they can. We're not there yet. We still have easy liberty to walk out on our street and celebrate Jesus. We're not going to jail for that yet. It may happen, but we're not there yet. So while we have liberty, don't waste it. Celebrate Jesus well. Find opportunities. Pray for opportunities. Seek opportunities. People will be remembered by what they choose to celebrate. Maybe you, you can't celebrate a Savior because you don't know Him yet. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you're listening later. I, I don't know how all that technology fun stuff works, but maybe you're listening because you just you don't know a, and you don't know a Savior. There's, there's no way for you to celebrate. We talk about it, just the releasing of the gospel of just we see our sin. We confess. We repent of that. We believe in Jesus and Jesus alone to make us right with God. His life, His birth, His death, His resurrection, His words, every bit of it so that we could know God. Maybe today... Uh, in order for you to celebrate, your first step needs to be you confess Jesus as Lord. You just need to say, Jesus, I want you more than I want my sin. I want your path more than I want my own. I trust you to make me right with God. Maybe today, for you to celebrate, you need to do that. Maybe you've got questions about that. Maybe you don't understand what all that means, and, and maybe you just want to talk to talk to one of us. I would love to meet you for coffee. My wife would love to meet you. Zach, Neil, and our wives, we would love to meet any of you for coffee and just talk to you about the beauty of Jesus. If you want to know more, please don't, don't hesitate. Shoot us an email. Talk to us afterwards. We'd love to talk to you about that. But for the rest of us, man, find ways, find space, find time to celebrate Jesus well this week. Do it with your voice. Do it with your money. Do it with your time, do it with your talents, do it with your friends, do it with everything that you've got. But find time, find place, find space, and let's celebrate Jesus well this week. God, we love you, we thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that uh, there was a shift that occurred in history. And that shift was now we are free to speak of Jesus, we are free to speak of the Christ, we are free to speak of those, uh, those beauties, God, that you redeem us through him. God, I pray we wouldn't take it lightly. I pray that we would accept the responsibility, that we would accept the weight of that, but also the privilege to share your name completely as unworthy as we are in and of ourselves, but you've made us so, God, that we can share, that we can speak. God, I pray for opportunities this week for those of us who are here, for those of us who are listening, God, that you would make them clear that we would get to share and speak, that we would get to celebrate you with our words, with each other. God, thank you for being worthy of that. Thank you for loving us well. Thank you for Jesus. God, I pray that we think highly of him this week. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Uh, in the, the scope of origins, um, just kind of our history, there's one thing that we've done badly through time. And, and I'm going to confess that we've done it badly. Uh, when people have chosen to, um, to be like a covenant member within this faith family, we, we've done a bad job of acknowledging that because we, I don't know, just whatever it is. Uh, but I, I wanted to, to pitch out, um, not names this week, but some cards. Uh, we had a, one of our covenant membership classes at Origins 101 in early March, and we had 10 new people decide to become covenant members of Origins to just say, look, they're all in. Um, and these are their cards. Uh, they're not all here this week, and I want to wait until everybody's well, and they can be back together to actually recognize them and make them feel super awkward. Uh, but 10 people said, look, um, we believe in what God's doing, and we want to be in it with you. And so I, I just wanted to say for the 10 of you guys that, that are here, some of you are here, some of you are not, some of you are listening, some of you just had babies, and so you're at home with newborn babies, uh, thank you. And uh, we value your commitment to this church, and uh, we look forward to getting to know you better. 
Um, if you have any questions about that or would like to know more, we'd love to talk to you. But um, otherwise, we are, we are done. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Um, be on the lookout again for the reading plan this week um, for just how to follow along with the Passion Week and all the things that transpired. Uh, and find those opportunities, find those times, find those places. Let's celebrate Jesus really, really well this week. Have a great week.